You are listening to the Awaken Natchitoches podcast. Awaken Church is a diverse community of authentic love and hope where you can belong as you change and change as you follow Jesus. teacher in this moment, I was thinking, man, two years ago when we launched this this church plant, Awaken Church, um, with weekly worship gatherings, we started with this story about this prodigal son that Jesus told. And here we are two years later, and Jesus is kind of like, hey, you, you bring come back around to this. And actually, I remember beginning that, that sermon with this, this little story about this thing called Rumspringa. Rumspringa is a part of the uh, Amish culture. And just as just it's been two years, you probably forgot, or you weren't even here then. Um, it means literally this word "rumspringa" in the Amish culture means running around. It's it's running around. And here's the thing: when you're like 14 or 16 years old, you you this this two year span, you get to participate in rumspringa if you're Amish. And you're between 14 and 16, just running around, which you get to leave the community the Amish community, you get to run or do the running around, see what's out there in the world, go to public school, I guess, because you're that young. You, But you get to do whatever it is you can find to do, experiment with the outside world, and then when you return, you have to make a choice. 
You make this choice. I've seen the world. I've, I've been through Rumspringa. I've done the running around. I saw what was out there, and I can make the choice. I can stay out there, or I can commit to being Amish, being a part of the Amish culture, be baptized in the Amish church. And to be, to be baptized in the Amish church and into that community, it means everything else is outside world. This is your this is your home. It's your life. It's your community. It's your religion. Everything is within the con, the the boundaries of what is what it means to be Amish. There is no more rumspringer. There's no more running around. Or you can choose to do that. But if you choose the outside world, you're basically cut off from the entire community, including your family. Like you, it's like you be literally disowned. Like that's a part of the culture, and in part, you know, many of us don't understand that kind of thinking. How could you do that? I certainly don't as a father. I'm like my kids do running around. I'm gonna always welcome them back. But this part of this culture, rumspring of the running around here. So when when this happens, I was thinking about. A lot of us have engaged in rumspring of our own, right? Like maybe we call it freshman year, or we call it, uh, or we call it spring break, or fall break. You know, we have a short fall break right now. It's, I'm loving it. There's some college students here that are on fall break and they're in church on Sunday morning. What? Man, that's awesome. Thanks for joining us today for this special day. Um, or it could be midlife crisis, you know, that, this running around, this, this idea. Or it's just like sowing your wild, it's not rumspringa, it's sowing your wild oatspringa. It's like you just, you got to get out there and do that. So today we're kicking off this new series for this entire month of October. And we're calling this series Monster Inside. I guess since it's October, we should be like Monster Inside. <laughs> I don't know. But sometimes it's like life and relationships and and we look at how things go in our life, and it's like we're our own worst enemy, right? Have you ever experienced that? Like, I'm my own worst enemy here. Well, this is what the monster inside is, is all about. And when it gets a chance, it will rear up its ugly head. It will just raise up and be like, I'm here, and I'm in control. The monster inside will do that. So over the course of the next few weeks, we're going to look at how this monster inside can affect our relationships, especially those, those closest and most intimate relationships we have. How this monster inside will, can affect our relationship with money and finances. And also how it can completely distort our identity. So today we're starting with this famous story that Jesus told. And Lexi read it. It's called the parable of the prodigal son in Luke 15. And if you have a Bible, turn there. We're going to dig in deeper. Um, if, you're, if you're joining us online, please engage with us. Grab a Bible or something and, and join us in Luke chapter 15. As we're going to dig deeper into this this morning. With this big idea, the longing for fulfillment was given to us by God, and it is there to lead us back to Him. That longing for fulfillment, that's when the monster inside starts to raise up its head to find the fulfillment in different things. That longing for, for, for fulfillment was placed there in us by God, but for the reason that, we, that would lead us back to Him. So let's start here. We know the struggle to find yourself, right? Anybody, can, can I get a witness? Like, I know what it's like. I know the struggle. I'm trying to find myself, right? hear that all the time. So social media, and we've been talking about this a little bit, social media has kind of, is kind of shaping how we approach conversation. And more and more it seems like my conversations are a lot like this one-sided Twitter thread that a friend of mine posted. He posted this thing, he's like, hey guys, let's talk about global warming. I'll probably, it's probably not a good idea, but let's do it. And then he consisted like 12 replies to his own tweet to make a whole conversation. And I read through this thing, it's like, Let's talk about global warming. And then he said all this stuff. And I'm like, 
good TED talk, bro. <laughs> I mean, that's, that's what it was like. I was like going and hearing somebody just give a little 10 minute boom, 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 boom. And I'm like, man, that's, that's not a conversation. But the thing is, I'm finding a lot of real life conversations very similar. You know what I mean? And I could be guilty myself where, where well, usually I'm like, I ask somebody because I'm really interested in, in what people do and who they are. And and, I, and I'll ask you know, how, you know tell me about your family your background where are you from and what your what's your occupation is like what is it like to do that and 30 minutes later they're still talking and I'm interested but what I realize is more and more let, less people are like asking me questions back it's like that one-sided Twitter thing it's like a monologue instead of a dialogue and this is where we are because all of this is in the context of that monster inside it's it's, it's about me. It's about my, I'm, I gotta get my story out there. I've gotta tell my thing. I mean, wouldn't you agree that our culture is obsessed with self, right? <laughs> I mean, how have you seen that obsession with self played out in our culture? Give me some answers. Instagram. Instagram. You're talking about selfies. I thought it was like the first thing somebody's gonna say. Selfie Sunday, hashtag Selfie Sunday. Hey, feel free to do that today if you have Instagram. Do a, a hashtag Selfie Sunday. I'm at Awaken Church. Two-year anniversary. Happy birthday, Awaken Church. Hashtag Selfie Sunday. That'd be a good way to spread the word, right? You could use it. You could use it for the right way. What are some other ways we see this obsession with self played out in our culture? Politics. Politics, yeah. Here's what I think. <laughs> right? <laughs> Anything else? I think as we go through here, we're going to see a lot of places, like maybe even in our own lives, where we where we say, "Man, that's I'm I'm kind of I got that that monster inside me, that monster within. It's that that's real. Um, this there's this thing inside of us that just seems to want more attention. Like, what's in it for me? We can even have that in church too, right? I mean, I've experienced this. Like, you're in church, and you're like, what What do I get out of this? Instead of, what can I give? What can I give? That's like the, that's like the, the heart I want to have. And I, I admit, I have my days where I'm like, you know, what am I getting out of Awakened Church? You're like, wait a minute. I'm not here to get anything. I'm here to give. I want to be for you guys. And I want us to be for the community and for the college. I mean, that's what I, I, I desire. So I have to keep bringing myself back to this is we're not trying to get something from you. We want this for you, a life of hope and joy and love and to do something about this monster inside. What can we do about this? So and I get it because we in the back of my mind, probably yours sometimes, if I don't look out for me, who's going to? Right. I mean, it's easy to have that monster inside kind of raise up when that's what we really it's a reality sometimes. If I don't look out for me, who's going to? Um, and so all this is an attempt to find ourselves. All of this is a part of I'm trying to find myself. And it turns out, hey, you just need to find yourself is pretty much the worst advice ever. It really, I mean, it kind of really is if you step back and think about it and, and really look at what, what all it entails. Because, yeah, I mean, when you're in your teens and your 20s, and I get a lot, a lot of us in this room, I'll say us because I'm in the minority, a lot of us in this room are in our 20s. <laughs> so we're looking like I'm establishing my thoughts. I'm establishing my, my beliefs. I'm, 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 I'm trying to figure out, you know, not just like what I believe and stuff, but who I am and what I want to do with my life. And, 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 and we get that. We're, we're trying to forming our opinions about the world. You mentioned politics and even religion and God. We're, kind of, we're in this place of figuring this out. And we use the word trying to find myself. The thing is, for most of us, we're like in our 40s and still trying to find ourselves. I'm telling you, as somebody who's in his 50s now, like it's still a thing. People my age still trying to find ourselves. 
the assumption that feeds this, and it's the struggle we've talked about for a couple of weeks now, and it's the struggle that more of me equals better. It's this, this lie that we kind of buy into. More of me equals better. If I just focus on myself, I will have a better life. That sounds familiar because I hear that all the time, right? If I just, just focus on me, I will have a better life. And it'll just, it'll just be better off. So Jesus tells a story about this father who has two sons. And we're just focusing on the younger son today, the first part of the story. And, and, and he goes out on this great adventure to find himself. More of me never leads to where you think it will. Now, I know this sounds already, you're like, man, this sounds really countercultural, Pastor. Uh, I know that, and I get it. So I, want, I would just invite you just to wrestle with this today. If you're like, man, that's just, that's just not, that doesn't work in today's world, just wrestle with this idea uh, that, that, the, that more of me never really leads to where you think it will. Because as a Christian, I have found, as a Christian, the more I try to put me into my relationships, <laughs> the worse they get. Like, the more Steve is in the relationship, the, the worse it gets. The more it's about Steve, the more it's about, and that's like, yikes, because it turns out that when I make relationships less about me, they're actually, they get better and healthier. When I make, a, when I make a, you know, even if I'm thinking about Awaken Church on our two-year anniversary, I mean, I was, yesterday, I just had this little time when I take every Saturday, and, it's, and I just kind of block out, I read through my sermon, and I pray, and it just hit me. It's like, you know, I'm like, all of a sudden, it's like, God, I mean, we've been in this two years. Me and my family's been in this three years. Some of you guys have been here two years plus, right, Quentin? And it's like, we, where, where is everybody? And as God is like, hey, it's, it's not about you. It's not about the church of Steve. It's the church of Jesus. Jesus is the subject. And when you let that be the reality, it's healthier. That, that, that's better. Healthier is better, not more. More isn't better. Healthier is better. And I look at like some of the healthy spiritual growth taking place in our in our little church family. I'm like, man, this is this is better than more. Absolutely. So Jesus goes on in this story of the prodigal son, and this is says this is what happens when you find yourself. And why is he even telling this story? Because because there's these these guys that come to him. And it's the beginning of chapter 15 of Luke, and they're the, the these Pharisees and religious leaders, and they are upset because Jesus is. They call it. They say he's hang, you're hanging out with sinners. And you're even eating with them. And they're really, they're, they're like, I look at the words. They were uh, complaining. They were complaining that Jesus was associating with sinful people and even eating with them. And so Jesus says, okay, hold on. Let me tell you a story. And he tells a story about a lost sheep. Maybe you know this story. The shepherd had 100 sheep. He left, one got lost. He leaves the 99 to go find the one. And when he finds the one, there's great rejoicing among everybody. I found the one lost sheep. Then he says there was a lady who lost a coin in her house. She cleaned out the house, took all the furniture outside, swept the house clean, found her coin, called all the neighbors to have a party. I found the one that was lost. And everybody threw a party. And Jesus is like, here's the point. There's much rejoicing in heaven over one lost that gets found. And the real point is people get lost. People, even when we get to the prodigal son story, that's the point. People get lost. We get lost in the process of trying to find ourselves. We get lost in that. In this way, we begin to follow Jesus, and then it's like we still are trying to find ourselves sometimes. We're following Jesus, and we still feel lost. You ever been there? I have. Because think about this, and Zach will find this out in a couple of years. I, I found this out uh, over the last 22 years as a parent, and I realized this is how I was. 
your parent says, hey, this is, this is what's best for you, and you go do your own thing anyway. Well, we do that with God. We might be a Christian. We're following Jesus. And we're like, okay, I'm a believer. I believe Jesus is the Son of God, and I put my faith in Him. Only He says, you know, here's something that, you, that was not the best for you, and here's something that would be the best for you. And you're like, you know what, that's cool. I'm just going to go ahead and do this anyway. We do that with God, too, our Heavenly Father, the same thing we would do with maybe our earthly father. We get lost in this process of trying to find ourselves. And we all know the struggle to find yourself. And it seems the more you search, the more lost you become. That's what it seems like sometimes. The more you're searching, the more lost you become. Now, a little while back, Zach was over at the house. This was actually been, it was before they were married, actually. It's been maybe a year ago. Zach was over at the house. We were, I think we were recording a podcast. And um, he left, went home. It's like 9 o'clock, 9.30 at night. He goes home. He texts me. It's like 10 p.m. I'm, you know, I'm by my shorts watching TV show. He texts me, hey, man, did I leave my keys at your house? And I'm like, how could you leave your keys at my house if you drove home? I'm like, did you stop somewhere on the way? What happened? And he's like, and I asked him, like, what are you talking about? He's like, my house keys are on a separate keyring than my car keys, and I can't, I'm home, and I'm locked out. We can't get in. And I'm like, all right, man, I did ask permission to tell the story, Zach. So and he's like, I was like, well, let me look around. So I'm like, I put down my phone. I go, I look all around where we were sit, where we were recording, where we went in the kitchen, where he always raids my little candy bowl, um, in my office area. We went. I even went in the bathroom. Like maybe he went to the bathroom while he was here and set his keys down. I look everywhere, can't find him. I go out with a flashlight in my in my yard where he would have parked, and I'm out here at 10, 10 o'clock at night in my shorts with a flashlight. Look at where there's there's nothing out here. I mean, it's just grass. And I'm like out in the grass doing this. The neighbors are probably be like, oh Lord, he lost his mind. And I'm like, right, and I'm like, look, I'm like everywhere. And I'm like, I've like fine tooth comb this thing like 20 minutes looking like in depth. I'm like, I call, I like text him back, said, man, your keys aren't here. He's like, you mind if I come look? I'm like, well, you can come look. But you know, part of me was like, I was like torn half and half. Part of me was like, how dare you <laughs> assume, assume I'm just like unable to see keys. And the other part of me was like, hey, but if it was me, I would, I would want to look for myself too. I'm like, yeah, man, come on out. He look, he looks the same thing I did. We looked the same. He went, he was like, I'm just following him around. I looked there, looked there, looked there. She says, I don't know, man. I was like, could you have locked him inside your house? He says, no, you can't lock the door unless you have the keys. He was wrong because about an hour later, he texts me, oh yeah, they were in the house, <laughs> right? <laughs> The more you search for those keys, it seems like the more lost they were. Have you ever felt like that? The more you search for something, the more lost you become. Well, let's look a little closer at this story Jesus said, because that seems to be where the story was at. This younger son packed his belongings, moved to a distant land, and there he wasted his money in wild living. Now, we're not told right here what the wild living is, but fast forward the story to the part we didn't read, and the older brother says, this son of yours, to their father, he's complaining, this son of yours took your money and wasted it on prostitutes. So that's that's what the wild living was. He, he took your money, Dad, and he wasted it on prostitutes. And then it says, A famine swept over the land. Famine meaning there's no food, there's no water. And he began to starve. 
He persuaded a farmer to hire him, and the farmer sent him out to feed the pigs. Now, this is a big no-no, because in this story, which is a parable, which means it's not really a true story, but it could be true, told by a Jewish rabbi named Jesus, told to a Jewish bunch of religious leaders and his Jewish disciples, this, this young man in the story would have been a Jewish character. And Jewish boys do not feed pigs. They don't go near pigs. They had nothing to do with that. And actually, if he would have, if they know, oh, he was out feeding the pigs, he was this, he's like cut off from the community. He's not allowed to go to temple, which basically is like room springer, and you decided I'm going to take the world and say so you can't go home again. Basically, once you go and feed pigs in the pig pen, you can't go home again. That's, what's, that's the reality of the story. Jesus is actually telling a very shocking story here in their, in their culture. And so he, he like feeds the pigs as an outcast now. The money runs out. His friends block his calls. They, they block him on Facebook and Twitter. They, they like totally it's like blocked. <laughs> oh, he's got no more money? Blocked. Unfriend? Blocked. And he, that's it. He's cut off. And the search for more left him more lost. His search for more and more left him more lost. Verse 17 says he finally came to his senses. That's like my favorite verse in this whole story. Might be one of my favorite verses in the whole Bible because it's so personal. Like, I've been there. He finally came to my senses. You know, he finally came to his senses. Now, this was originally written in Greek, um, and Jesus would have spoken Aramaic with some Hebrew. And so, you know, when Luke wrote this down, Jesus told this story, and they, they told, here's the story Jesus told. Luke wrote it down in Greek. When you take this Greek phrase, he came to his senses, it, it, it kind of translates better as he finally came to the end of himself. When he finally came to the end of himself, he decided to take a step towards home, to make a step and go towards his home. It's like he's saying, I've I, I pursued me so long, I'm at the end of me. And in all honesty, is that where you are maybe? I mean, I'm at the end of me right now. And he says in verse 18, I'll go to my father's house and I'll say, I've sinned against both heaven and you. And I'm no longer worthy to be called your son. I'm not trying to come back home. I ain't trying to come home. I just want to be hired as a servant. I can't go feed the pigs. I can't do that. I got nothing. They're not even paying me to do that. I just want to. I just want a job. I don't want to be. I don't want to come home. I don't want to be your son. I, I know. I know. I threw that away. Basically, when he asked for his inheritance ahead of time, basically was saying, in our way of putting it, Dad, I wish you were dead so I could have my inheritance. That's what he did. He said, I ain't trying to be, I ain't trying to come home. I just want a job. Just want a job. There was shame there. So that monster inside, the monster within, a lot of times it's like it starts with selfishness, that that and that seeking, I gotta I gotta find myself. But it kind of sometimes that monster turns into shame. And here the shame monster was there. And we find that, that we can find out just that same, like the same way the son did. We can come to God. We just feel too ashamed sometimes to come to God. Our attempts to find ourselves can leave us, leave us ashamed to come back to God. For most of us, in our attempt to find yourself, you lost yourself. And the more you make it all about me, the more miserable, miserable we become. And like the son in the story, a few things happen. We, what we thought would bring us freedom brought you captivity. When the, what, the, what the son thought would bring him freedom actually turned him into a slave. He thought, I'm going to get this inheritance of mine, and he became a slave to the money. And then he became a servant to a farmer. 
What you thought would bring you success brought you failure. He was sure he was going to have success. I'm going to go out in the world. And I'm going to make, a, make my splash in the world. I've got my money to, to put down on investment. He invested it in, apparently, his brother said, prostitutes. Bad investment. And what he thought would bring success brought you failure. And what he thought would bring you life brought you death. He goes, I think I'm going to have life. And I'm going to have all this life. I'm going to live it up. And even his own father says, when he comes home, and they get ready to throw this party we're going to talk about, he said, the son of mine which was lost is now found. He was dead, and now he's alive again. What you thought was going to bring you life brought you death. At least it feels like that on the inside. I've experienced that, and I just feel dead. This search for ourselves leaves us more lost, and our search for fulfillment leaves us empty. And what happens is something within us is awakened, and it's not that kind of awakening that we've been talking about two years, that we want to be awakened to this life-changing relationship with Jesus. It's a monster inside that's all about me. Me, me, me. But there's good news. You didn't think I was going to leave you hanging without some good news, right? The good news is God embraces the monster inside. God embraces that monster inside. This whole idea of monster inside actually... There was a song that came out a couple years ago by this rock band Skillet called Monster. And the lyrics just kept just keep coming to me over and over. I'm like, all right, God, I'm listening. There's, there's a monster inside. So the lyrics go like this, and I think they're up there if we can put them up on the screen. The secret side of me, I never let you see. I keep it caged, but I can't control it. So stay away from me. The beast is ugly. I feel the rage, and I just can't hold it. It's scratching on the walls, in the closet, in the halls. It comes awake, and I can't control it. Hiding under the bed, in my body, in my head. Why won't somebody come and save me from this? Make it in. I feel it deep within. It's just beneath the skin. I must confess that I feel like a monster. I hate what I've become. The nightmare's just begun. I must confess that I feel like a monster. And that's like, that's where we can be. And the good news is God embraces the monster in me. What do you do when you feel like a monster inside. The culture says in this situation, what you need is more of you. What you do, you, this, when you're wrestling with this monster inside, what you really need to do is find yourself. Again, that's why I got here. Jesus says, <laughs> it's actually the opposite. The key, the answer is less of you. The key's not more of you. The key's less of you. So the son became more of who he wanted to be the moment he realized less of him meant more, the moment he came to his senses, the moment he came to the end of himself, he started to become more. Real talk. Less of you without God leads to self-pity. Maybe even despair. Less of you without God. So I get it. If, if there's folks out there and they're like, man, I just don't, I don't understand, I don't get it, because um, I'm not really following God. Well, less of you without God is going to lead to self-pity. But less of you with God leads to more. Leads to more. What More what? More life. I'm going to tell you about more hope, more joy, more peace, more love. That's the more. Jesus said, I came to give you life. And he said, in abundance. I came to give you abundant life. What does abundant mean? More. more. Yes. That's what Jesus came for. Verse 22. But his father said to the servants, quick. Bring the finest robe in the house. Now, who would have the finest robe in the house? The father. The father. 
He's like, bring my robe and put on him. My, my finest robe. The finest robe in the house, that's the father's robe. Put it on him. This son of mine who's got dirt and mud from the, from the, from the streets that he's been walking. Dirt and mud from the pig pen. Whatever else is in that pig pen with the, mixed in with the mud, just use your imagination. It's pretty nasty. Put my robe on him. Cover all that up. And he says, get a ring for his finger, sandals for his feet. The ring for his finger would be the signet ring. The, the family, see like Green Lantern has a ring and it's got the lantern on it that represents, I'm part of the Green Lantern Corps. Well, this signet ring's down to the same thing without all the power. It's just got the power of the family name. And the sandals on his feet, the key to that is understanding culturally the servants didn't wear sandals. Only family members wore, wore shoes on their feet understanding this culturally at the time it was so it's like he's saying I'm not going to hire you I'm welcoming you home here is the ring that says you have the authority of the family name here are shoes on your feet that says to you and to everybody else that you're part of the family now and kill the calf we've been fattening we must celebrate with a feast that's deep right there because why were they fattening a calf to celebrate his father was like, my son's going to come home. I'm going to see my son again. He's going to come back to me. He's going to come back from the dead. I'm going to be prepared. We're going to have a calf ready. We've been fattening this calf for the feast. And everybody's like, what feast are we preparing for? Passover? What's, what's coming? He's like, oh, there's a feast coming. And when his son comes home, he says, this is it. This is the reason we've been preparing. He didn't, sign, he didn't write him off. He didn't say, okay, my son's gone. He's out. He's no longer in the will. He was waiting for him to come home. He even saw him a long way off, right? He was waiting for him to come back. If you ever wondered how God would think or what God would think about everything you've pursued and trying to find yourself, if you ever wonder what God would do about every way you've been the prodigal and wasted days and resources and gifts, everything he's provided, if you ever wonder, oh, man, how would God treat me if I just wasted everything that he's, he's already given me? What would God think if I came to him now? Filled with love and compassion, the father ran to his son, embraced him, and heaven meets earth like a sloppy wet kiss. In that moment, that's what God does, and that's what he thinks of you. He wants you to come home. He wants to embrace you and just love you. To find yourself, you really need to lose yourself. So take the spotlight off of you, and, and you'll experience more. Put the spotlight on Jesus and there's, there's the key to put the spotlight on Jesus because there's only one way to the Father. And I'm not talking about some exclusive religion that's, oh, we're the only ones that have it right. I'm talking about a person. I'm talking about Jesus because Jesus, he's not exclusive. He's inclusive. He is the universal way to the Father. Everybody who comes to God comes through Jesus. And everybody can come to God. You just have to come through Jesus. It's, it's, he's, it's open to all people. doesn't matter what your background is or, or what you've done or, or what, you know, historically, what traditionally have been a part of your life. You can come to the Father through Jesus. More of Jesus means more of everything that was created for you. What was created for you? Love, hope, joy, peace. All these things are created for you. More of Jesus means more of this. And we get lost in trying to find what we were created for. Uh, what was I created for? <laughs> and what the truth is, while we get lost in trying to find what we're created for, 
Jesus has said, I've already, I've already got this, these things created for you. And he wants to give us those things. It's not a, it's not a real monster. That's just my eight-year-old, Niall, coming down the hall. Everybody was like, oh, man, a real monster came here. We're in the theater. For those watching online, which I don't know if you still are. I don't see the camera anymore. Um, the, we're in the movie theater. They're showing It. And right across the hall is showing Joker. So whenever you start hearing those voices, I get it. Everybody, what is that? No, we're talking about monster. The question is, are you open to being done with seeking more of you? And if you're not, okay, good luck with trying to find yourself. I hope that works out for you. I really do. I don't want to be like, you know, Mr. It's never going to work. I, would, I hope it, I wish it would work for you, that you could just find yourself and that would work. And if it does, great, that's awesome. But for me, I can only tell you my experience. And for me, it's never worked. Before I started following Christ, since I've become a follower of Christ, as I've become a pastor and a father and a husband, it's never worked trying to find myself and make it about me. But when I make it about Jesus, there's hope and joy and peace and love that I can't explain except I've experienced it. So for me, it's worked. Less of me, more of Jesus. That's what works. So the longing for fulfillment has been given to us by God, and it's there to, to lead us back to Him. So for our next steps, I'm going to just suggest a couple things. You guys are creative enough to like, like, okay, what's the next step I need to do? But here's some suggestions. First of all, I would say, try to see yourself as others see you. Try to get, quit looking at yourself how you see you, but how do others see you? Are you seen as someone who's a good listener? Are you seen as someone who, who is a, cares enough to ask people, how, you're do, how are you doing really? A second step would be to monitor how much you talk about yourself. Monitor that. How much do I really talk about myself? It's okay to talk about yourself, but it's not okay to only <laughs> talk about yourself. Check it, just check yourself. Like you used to say, check yourself before you wreck yourself. And the third one is, I don't know if you guys still say that these days. Oh, yo, oh, yeah, oh, yeah, oh, yeah, okay, okay. Sometimes I say stuff and they're like, Pastor, that's so, that's so 2012. I don't even know. And the third thing is check how much of your prayers are, God, I want. He wants us to pray those prayers, God, I want. He says, bring your wants, bring your needs, bring your supplications and ask them. But he also says, Praise, worship, honor, pray for other people, bring, bring your, your, your family to the Lord in prayer. Not just what I want, but prayers of praise, prayers of just adoration. God, you're awesome. Prayers of thankfulness and gratitude. I like to do that before I tell them what I want. And I might, you know, I'm not trying to set you up, God. I really am thankful for all this. But man, I would really like to see this happen. So try those steps and see if that will help you kind of make more steps to be less about you and more about the things of God. Lord, we love you and we thank you for this day and this opportunity we have had to worship, to come into your, your house, which is anywhere that we are gathered. And um, today it's in a movie theater. And we just thank you for again for this opportunity to gather in this place in your name. And as we do this, Lord, we come to you, we just realize some of us are, are, are here and just following you. And we've been the prodigal. We know what it's like. We, we've been there. We've, we still know that that, that that monster inside can raise up its head. And, and Lord, we, just, we, we want you to help us, Lord, take that monster out. And Lord, if there's any of us who are here and, and we're still the prodigal, and we recognize in the story, not only am I the prodigal son in the story, but I'm still, I'm still in the pig pen or 
I'm still in the famine. Lord, that we would just come to the end of ourselves in this moment realize all we have to do is take a step towards home. And there you are, running to meet us. You've already fattened the calf. You've already got the feast ready. All we have to do is make a step. And you meet us. You come running to us, just like the Father in the story. And you love us. So God, we thank you and praise you for your love. Help us to live in it and walk in it. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you for listening to the Awaken Natchitoches podcast. It's our hope that you have been encouraged by today's message. Find out more about Awaken Church at awakenla.church or find us on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook at AwakenChurchLA.